0: a couple of guests. I think this is my first time where I'm having two guests at at one time. These are uh, friends of mine from Texas. They are both uh, law enforcement officers. They're also parents, grandparents. Their family includes military, police, uh, dogs, everything I love. Uh, Kathy (laughs) and Avi Bustos, welcome to the show. Thank you, Betsy. It's an honor to be here. Yes,
1: thank you so much, Betsy. We are very honored to be here.
0: So, guys, you, uh, you have a company called That Peer Support Couple, and uh, um, how did you get started on this path? Yeah.
2: We, we like to call it the broken road. Uh, God bless the broken road that led us here, but it, it started with our own accumulative trauma and then a series of three very traumatic incidents for ourselves and for our families, and we were broken. And so we uh, sought help. We got the help. We we recovered from the traumatic incidents that we had been through, and now we try and pay it forward.
1: Right. And you know we uh, almost lost our marriage with all these critical incidents that we went through. But once we got the help and we came on the other side, it was a no brainer that we wanted to pay it forward. I brought her kicking and screaming into the public <laughs> uh, as if you would uh, put it that way, as far as like wanting to tell our story, because there's a time in our lives where she was like, no way would I ever stand in front of people and tell my story what I've gone through. But I think after a certain point, uh, Kathy and I, we realized that what we have to say has value. And if it helps other people, especially other law enforcement couples, uh, we think that we're doing a good thing for uh, helping everybody out.
0: Now, in this current atmosphere that we're in, um, how is the anti-police, the defund the police, the reimagine policing atmosphere? How is that affecting police officer mental health? Do you guys think?
2: I'll speak to that because I see it every day when he comes home from work. Um, it is it is very detrimental to their mental health because they you you take an already difficult job. Uh, They're short on manpower, they're low on resources, and you add the anti-police rhetoric, the lack of, of police administration support in some cases. Now, a lot of chiefs do very well in supporting their officers and providing good wellness care for them, but others do not do very well, and those are the departments that have the people suffering. But when you, when you take a job that you go into law enforcement to protect and to serve and do right by your community, and you take away that support and you take away their resources and you work them uh, almost to death to, to take care of the community that's not very supportive of them in some cases. And it caused a great, a great trauma on their mental health and, and great problems.
0: How can people who may have a family member who's a cop or, or uh, even their friends with a cop, they're next their next-door neighbor's a cop, how can those people who want to support us, how can they do that? How can they help support our mental wellness?
1: Well, I think the, the most important thing, number one thing, is stop asking uh, the law enforcement officer, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? What's the most traumatic thing you've ever seen? <laughs> because why would anybody want to ask somebody to bring up a horrible memory? period. So I would say that's number one thing. Number two is it's okay to call them up and say, "Hey, are you okay? I see a lot going on in the news and I read about it. How are you doing? I'm here to listen to you. Go ahead and vent if you need to talk to me. That's what
2: we need the most. And just showing support, saying thank you. Javier regularly has people come up and say thank you. Starbucks has a great trend although any coffee, coffee shop I think does it where they can purchase a cup of coffee for the police officer that's behind them that has them a moment to get a quick cup of coffee or just bring cookies or, or some nice treats down to the police department is a great way for to show support because that does a lot towards the police officer's mental health is knowing that
0: there are people out there that still appreciate what they do.
1: Yes it's nice to know that we're not forgotten.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that's the thing because we, we get into this job um, to help our communities, you know, and I think a lot of times everyone loses sight of that because, you know, we are so scrutinized now and so under attack that, you know, nobody goes to the police academy and says, oh, I can't wait to get into an officer involved shooting and have people riot because of what I did. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's, there are a lot of agencies that are out
2: there speaking on behalf of the line officer who are the ones that are taking all the heat right now. The ones that are out there on the street every day are taking all the heat of the anti-police rhetoric. And there are some organizations that are doing a really good job of defending the officers. But there are other agencies that could do a whole lot better that need to speak on their behalf and defend the good work that's being done out there. There's always officers out there that are not going to be doing the right thing, and we know that they're out there, but the the overwhelmingly amount of police officers are doing the right thing every day for for years on end and need to be rewarded for that behavior.
0: Now, it, all three of us and, and most of our friends who are law enforcement officers, um, you know, we, we got into this job with a great deal of passion, and we love it, um, yes. but- Do you think we're going to have a a recruitment uh, issue and and even a retention issue in this profession moving forward?
2: Absolutely. Who would want to come into this profession right now? When you're going to, you're going to go through an academy, you're going to, uh, it's a hard academy. It's not easy. You have to go through a very difficult background, background process. And, uh, it's lengthy. It takes sometimes up to six months to a year to get hired at a police department. And then you're going to go up through a field training program where you're going to learn a lot on how to survive a career in law enforcement. And then you're going to go out there, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, have urine thrown at you and have feces thrown at you and people putting lasers in your eyes, which is causing critical injury to officers in many cities and you're going to have to do that while everybody is screaming at you that they hate you. Right. That you need to die.
1: And the imagery out there is really tough right now for anybody who who would think about wanting to go into the job. Cause what do they see when they turn on the televisions and they watch uh, what Hollywood puts out about law enforcement or what um, the news is putting out about law enforcement. It's very negative and nobody wants to be part of something where they're perceived as automatically being the bad guy. So that's going to hurt our retention. And I think it's going to take a lot of police departments nationwide five to 10 years just to recoup their losses, to get back to a level where they can provide the adequate services for the public that they serve. But right now, the imagery is what's driving people away from wanting to do the job that some of them still see it as a calling, but they just don't want to do it right now.
0: Well, and I think one of the things that we're seeing too is is that... (laughs) we're not really addressing criminality. You know, when we were all young cops, that was, there was a pretty clear line between the good guys and the bad guys, and we wanted to be yeah. good guys. But now, it, do you see that? Do you see that it's all sort of blurred and everybody blames the police for the force that we decide to use, but nobody talks about the criminal who's shooting at us or trying to stab yeah. us. Um, what I do think- you guys see out there?
2: Well, there's an extreme deficit right now in the truth, in the truth in the media, the truth in, in politicians, the truth in anything that is being put out to the general public is not fair and it's not accurate. Nobody is addressing, yes, there, there is terrible imagery out there of what some police officers have done, but when are we going to start addressing that laws are being broken that criminals are violating legal standards that police officers are being paid to enforce, nobody is talking about that. Nobody's talking about the, the murders and the sexual assault suspects and the, everybody that's out there committing these crimes, where is their culpability and where is their accountability?
1: I think we just want fairness. Mm-hmm. I think people need the police, they'll always need the police, as far as to make sure that we keep society a pleasant place to be. But at the same time too, everybody has to accept the responsibility. And right now I get it. They want law enforcement to accept responsibility and that's fantastic. But society in general has to accept responsibility and say, what is the standard? What do we want to have in our lives that we are all happy living in peacefully? And part of keeping that peace is the peacekeepers
0: yeah that's us what what do you think what do you want to see police leaders do um, to to help the public understand you know what it is that that we're trying to do and also because you you mentioned this briefly what do you want to see police leaders do when we talk about the mental wellness of their personnel so many things Betsy so
2: many things um, I would like to see more police leaders out there speaking on behalf of their officers. It's going to take more than a little blurb in a Twitter account that says Officer of the Week in some good deed to get the word out there that there are police officers who are doing outstanding work every day. In spite of insurmountable odds, they are still out there protecting their communities. And it takes more than just the little the little blurb that you'll see some departments put officer of the week officer of the year they they need to get out there and stand on the pulpits and talk about the the great work they need to be louder than just dis, the, the distractors the ones that are making up the falsehoods and the lies about police they need to be louder than them and that would be very beneficial if leaders would start doing that
1: right and then on the flip side of it i would also encourage police leaders to make sure that their officer's mental health is getting helped by starting a peer support team, getting clinicians in there, getting the right uh, uh, resources for the officers to utilize for their mental health, because that's what is the main thing as us uh, being that peer support couple is we want all law enforcement officers and their families to have resources available for their mental health, because a happy employee is gonna be way more productive an employee who is struggling so much with their mental health.
2: And we have damaged leaders out there. Chiefs on down, there are damaged law enforcement administrators who have never received proper mental health on their own. And so they just perpetuate the the poor treatment of their officers. Don't get me wrong, there are some great administrators out there who are doing great things with their mental health and wellness programs in their department but there are also many that are failing their officers as far as getting them the right amount of treatment.
0: Well, and when, very often by the time a police officer gets some sort of mental health treatment, things have been festering for a long time, right? What do we need to do with those new cops, those rookie cops, those those young, still idealistic officers? How do we help them maintain their mental health before things get horrible?
1: Well, I, I, I always say it should go from hire to retire. And what I mean by that is they need to be exposed to all the mental health resources when they're cadets of the academies and know that throughout their careers, those resources are going to be available to them as they progress in their career all the way through retirement where a lot of retirees, for, they, they are forgotten once they turn in their, their credentials and they walk out the front door and they're replaced. That's why it's important from hire to retire that they, also, they will know resources are going to be available for you and you will never be forgotten no matter where you are in your career.
2: And I think historically we've done a terrible job in educating our law enforcement officers who are new because we come in and we say you're going to go through critical incidents, you're going to see dying babies, you're going to see tragic car accidents, you're going to be involved in shootings. And that's it. We tell them, you're gonna go through all these things and you're probably gonna be divorced and become addicted to alcohol or some prescription drug. You're gonna be suicidal at some point in your career, but we give them nothing to follow up with that. Yes, you may go through all of these things, but there is help out there when you do, and here is what you do to get that help. And so it's getting better. Uh, Things are changing slowly, but it's getting better. So we have to not only tell them what they're going to go through and prepare them for it, but we need to educate them on how to get the help and that there is no stigma and it is okay to not be okay.
0: Why are police officers and other first responders, quite frankly, why are they so hesitant to get help? Why are they so hesitant to talk to a professional? What is it about us that that makes us just kind of say let's suck it up
1: well is I, I think part of it is because nobody wants to see the superhero lose their cape and fall down and we have that imagery of ourselves i know for myself uh and i know other law enforcement officers out there they they do this your personality changes as you're getting dressed every layer you're putting on when you put on that uniform and the vest and the belt by the time you get everything on you're ready to take on the world <laughs> and you're 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 the superhero and you're going to help everybody And we don't want anybody to think of us as being weak. But admitting that you do have weaknesses becomes your strength because you're able to say, I got to work on myself so that way I can be a better person and I can be a healthy person physically and mentally.
2: And I think also the messages that we get when we enter law enforcement, and and I I don't know if it was the same for you as it was in my agency, but being a female entering law enforcement in the 90s, It was don't act like a girl. Don't be a girl. Don't be emotional. People are going to kill you if you, if you show weakness. And so that was double for me. And I know that Javier was, was told the same thing. If you show weakness, if you let people know that you need help, you're going to die. Somebody is going to kill you. If you pretend if you're weak and, uh, it's the messages we get early on. And so early on in my career, my whole training was training myself not to be emotional and not to sh- per- to show weakness and that is perpetuated over a number of years and to the point where you're harming your own mental and physical
0: health as a result of it now let's take all that and add in kids what is yes. it yeah. <laughs> when you are a police parent and and you guys like uh, my family as well um, you're a two cop family and, uh, mm-hmm. and then you added kids into that. How difficult was that? And do our children get traumatized by the things that we go through in our careers? Well,
1: most definitely. And you know, it's kind of funny because I think everybody who's in law enforcement, who's a parent, uh, their kids will probably say, I was always grounded and I didn't do anything because of what you saw at work. <laughs> it's the absolute truth. We come home and we lecture our kids about the calls that we see uh, out there and saying, I went to a call and there was this teenager doing this, this, and this. And if I ever think of you even doing that, you're gonna be grounded. But they're also very um, perceptive, our children. And they see us come home and they know when mommy and daddy have had a bad day and they soak that in. Mm -hmm. They're resilient and they're strong, but they feel our pain And we have to be able to recognize as law enforcement parents and first responder parents that our kids see that. And we need to make sure we do the buddy check on them and say, hey, are you okay? Is something bothering you that you saw that was bothering us and get them help too.
2: A a valuable lesson that I learned or that we learned late from my son is I was assaulted in the line of duty uh, when my son was about 12 or 13 years old. And it was I dislocated fractured kneecap, and I went to the ER. And my sergeant picked me up and and brought me home. But I was coming home on crutches, so it, I was delayed getting out of the car. And my sergeant went to the door to knock on the door. Well, my son answered the door, and there's my sergeant standing there with my boots in his hand, and he couldn't see me. And he never said a word about this until. He's 35 now, and he never said a word probably till he was about 30 years old about how traumatic that was for him and how he was afraid that they were telling him that I wasn't coming home. And of course, he's paying us back now because he's he's a trooper in the state of Texas, and it's a whole different dynamic being the mother of a police officer versus being a police officer or the spouse of a police officer.
1: Right. That's the one good thing as law enforcement parents, because our son's a state trooper, uh, our daughter, uh, she works for the state agency as well. We, our son-in-law, he's a, a corrections officer. Our daughter-in-law is a Navy veteran. They're going through everything that law enforcement couples go through. And at least they have us to hopefully rely on and say, hey, give them time to, uh, to, to take a mental break off when they get home. At the same time, give your spouse time uh, to let her talk about their day also. Uh, we're, we're actually like the Yodas for them now, <laughs> in a certain aspect. At we least it, be, yes. Yeah, we try to be Yodas for them and, and, and let them know, hey, it's okay if y'all go through this as law enforcement couples, because we went through it and we're hoping to be able to teach y'all how to do it and not go through as much mental trauma as we did.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I, I think that, uh, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is when you are part of a law enforcement family, it's not just... One person that's a cop. It, you're a police family, right? And that's, and that's forever, isn't it? Yes, yes,
1: yes, it yes. is. And you know, uh, when a critical incident happens, it happens not only to the officer; it happens to the whole family. Mm-hmm. And that's why we uh, champion that the whole family needs to get help. And we go back to the leadership and to the departments, making sure that that officer and their family is taken
2: care of. And, and that goes back to our training because. We learned in the police academy that one in four marriages or two in four marriages, police marriages end in divorce. So if I perceive that Javier's doing something wrong, next I'll just move on to the next husband. And we live in a very disposable
0: world. The law enforcement
2: culture is very disposable.
0: You are out there on social media, you're in the classroom, you're at conferences trying to change this situation literally one cop at a time one family at a time how can people learn more about what you guys are doing and and uh and where can they see you you guys do some terrific videos and things how can people find out more about you guys
1: well betsy they can first go to our website which is www.kathy c-a-t-h-y and a-n-d hobby j-a-v-i dot com and there they can see, read a, more about us. And we have links to all our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a YouTube page. Uh, we've even put a, a, a page up on Parlor. So we have social media out there. And uh, they can basically just see who we are and get, get a feel of what we're, we're trying to do. And they can contact us. We, uh, we have uh, our email that they can do through our website. They can send us messages through our social media. And we feel that we're very reachable. So that's how we can get contacted, and we try to help as much as we can. We don't want anybody to fall through the cracks, and if we can't help them, we find the resources for them.
0: Absolutely, you guys, and we so appreciate everything you're doing for uh, our law enforcement officers and and first responders nationwide. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention.
2: What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer?
0: Together, we can change this disturbing trend.
2: If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids,
0: I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. 1. Call 911 and give the officer's exact location. 2. Ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. 3. If the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.